So one of the key things is communication. Leaders understand they have to communicate frequently with staff, with customers, suppliers, vendors. This is not the time to pull into the hole and close the door behind you and say, oh my God, I hope this passes quickly. You need to be telling people the good, the bad, and the ugly. They don't want to hear that there's a problem. We all know there's a problem. They want to know what's your plan to get out of this mess that we're in. My name is Mark Hans. I'm the Group Executive for Retail and Commercial Bank in Australia with ANZ. Today, my guest for the podcast is Dr. Jana Matthews. Jana is an international expert on entrepreneurial leadership and business growth. She is the Director of the Australian Centre for Business Growth at the University of South Australia and directs the ANZ Business Growth Program. Throughout her career, Jana has worked with hundreds of CEOs and leadership teams all around the world, as well as here in Australia of recent times. We've supported the Centre to deliver growth programs to a select set of our customers for the last six years, and it's clear that these programs have delivered outstanding outcomes. Welcome, Jana. It's great to have you here. Thanks, Mark. Jana, the COVID-19 pandemic has created tough times for small business and medium businesses and even large businesses. Many companies are seeing dramatic decline in sales and some have had to cease operations completely. All this has had a massive impact on revenue, cash flow and profitability. And not all the companies are going to be able to come out of this alive. That's a sad reality. But some business owners have been able to pivot and find new and creative ways to improve their cash position. Some have offered new products, some have changed their distribution models, others have even found new customers, and some are using digital far more effectively. What are some of the things business owners are doing to improve their cash flow during this time of uncertainty? Well, thanks, Mark. That's a critically important question. And I've been following a whole set of companies through this difficult time we're going through, checking in on them on a weekly basis to see what are they doing. So I have some real insights from the front line, so to speak. Um, As you know, a company's financial position depends on a lot of things. It depends on decisions made about which product or which service to offer which customers at which price through which channels and whether or not you've been able to figure out an efficient way to make and sell lots more of whatever it is you you have to offer to customers. But I want to focus on cash flowing into the business at the moment. There are three ways that you can get more cash flowing into the company. One is increase the amount of revenue or turnover, collect what's owed to you faster, and control the speed with which the cash flows out. So let's talk about some of those. Um, increasing the amount of cash that comes into the company can be done by selling more or offering new products to your customers. Sheer finding new customers to sell what you already have. You could sometimes offer services in addition to products. And sometimes companies have been doing product service bundles. We'll sell you the car and then we'll sell you upkeep for five years, that kind of product service. Others realize that they can get more cash flowing in if they increase the price a little bit. Others are doing a better job of targeting which customers really do want what we have to offer so we can get more efficient in the sales process. Then there's just simply improving your sales skills and your pitch. And then there's the closing sales faster. And one of the things we've noticed that some companies are used to their sales guys jumping on a plane, going somewhere. They're not used to picking up the phone, selling by phone or by Zoom. 
And so if they aren't doing that, that leaves a great big opportunity for other companies to come in and fill the gap. And so some of the companies that are being really successful in getting more cash into the company are the ones that have gone after, steadily gone after customers using digital and using Zoom and other face-to-face virtual um, opportunities to get in front of. And these people have more time now and they are taking their calls and they are placing orders and they're getting customers that they never used to have. So that's tip one. Two is increase the speed with which cash comes into the company. So one of the things about accounts receivable is understanding when your customer is likely to pay. We've noticed that there's been a slowdown in the ability and the willingness of people to pay on time. And of course, the longer you can stretch out those payments, better off it is for you as a company. But that puts you in a little bit of a bind there in terms of increasing the speed with which you get the cash into the company. And that's why the the bridge loans from ANZ and the lines of credit are so helpful. You can change your pricing policies. You can change when you get paid. You know, ask for payment on signing of contracts, not at the very end. Use progress payments. Use monthly payments or subscription, automatic renewals. There are a variety of ways that you can change the way you get paid. And sometimes that's industry-related and sometimes it's not. A company had been used to dealing with one industry, assumed when they moved into another industry that the payment schedules were the same, and in fact, they're radically different. The second industry paid a lot more upfront. All he had to do was ask for it, and that considerably helped his cash flow. And then you can, of course, control the flow of cash out of the companies, which is what I said people are starting to do. Um, but there are other things that you can do as well, which is, again, what our companies are doing is looking at every single thing they're doing, all the touch points, all of the processes that they're using, and they're saying, what can we strip out? What is an unnecessary step? Do we really have to have 14 steps before we actually deliver the product, or can we collapse? Do we need these three? Can we put those into two and become way more efficient, which drives down the price of the goods sold that you're producing that it gets sold? You can become more operationally efficient. You know, layout of the factory is different. The layout of the restaurant would be different. The way you serve people is different. You can reduce your administrative costs by putting in better systems. We ourselves are doing this at our center. We're making changes to Salesforce. We're looking at what we can do that makes it easier for our customers to enter their information online instead of coming in in forms that somebody else then has to enter. I love, of course, ANZ's online banking tools on website that I can go to and figure out a lot of stuff before I ever go and talk to somebody. You can make sure that you have in enforcement in terms of the authorization levels. You know, there are certain levels about, about which you require two signatures or three signatures. So you make sure that somebody else is looking off after those expenditures and that you have to justify to somebody why you want to buy that piece of machinery now. And you have to make the business case about how you think you're going to be at, able to expense it or which customers are likely to need that. So it doesn't sit in the storeroom with, with nobody using it for the last three months. That was a complaint of one of my CEOs. Um, And then you can maybe delay your um, invoices maybe a little bit after receiving them. We've noticed companies are saving billions of dollars by paying invoices later. Not suggesting this doesn't have a flow-on effect, but maybe you can help yourself a little bit by doing that. I think that's that's great, John. Some of the things that you list there are quite intuitive, but I don't imagine our customers... You know, the mindset they're in at the moment would would be diligent to sort of work through that step by step. And there's probably a dozen or more steps that you said there you know, that customers could take. 
and it probably serves as a great checklist if if customers work their way through each of those and some of those would be highly relevant for them some of them they might not be able to do but uh, you know every every dollar is going to matter in this environment so it sort of to me serves like a, a really good checklist for customers to work their way through and see which one of those those list of items can they can they implement and you know maybe improve a few thousand dollars here and a few thousand dollars there that's going to help them get through this phase. Mark, that's such a good point, and I really want to emphasize those marginal gains all add up. They're not just in and of themselves; they actually become exponential. So, exactly right. Look for the small gains. It doesn't have to be the big hit. Yeah, and in, in some of the big hits. Uh, we're seeing you know, ourselves as, as banks have allowed customers to defer payments for six months, um, both consumer and for business. And, and let's not forget that a lot of SMEs have mortgages and consumer facilities on the side, so they probably need to consider both their business and the consumer side. And then landlords um, have allowed allowed businesses to defer rents in, in many cases. And then also JobKeeper payments and, uh, you know, they're probably the big expenses that a business has with you know the financing rent and employees mm-hmm. so there's options available for for each of those but one thing that's important to remember is that they start again at some point these are not you know forever holidays they're to get us through this phase uh, they're all geared around a six-month program if you like thinking that at the end of six months um, the economy will have returned to some sort of new normal or it won't be what it was but it will be some sort of new normal. I mean, what, what, what's your advice to, um, to companies that have got the option to defer those big repayments? You know, should, they, should they be taking those up? Well, that depends on the company and the strength of their balance sheet. One of the companies said it's having its best year ever, but it is all over. Uh, whether or not there's likely to be some impact of COVID and when, and they're every week talking to the salespeople and they're looking at the assembly line, they put an extra shift on, they're paying overhead, they're shipping as quickly as they can to build up their balance sheet in case there will be a recession. Um, other companies have gotten out product costing and they're looking at all the products and identifying which ones actually don't have a large enough margin and they're telling their salespeople let's not sell those. And they're also looking at um, what can happen with JobKeeper and, and how long they are going to have to make these adjustments until they can get back to uh, profitability again. And their goal is to come out profitable by the end of six months. So all the ones that we're working with, and of course I'm keeping a close tab on the ANZ companies, they're all focused on being profitable before the end of the six months. I think they all recognize they, they're going to have to pay back loans. It's going to be important to do that. In one of my other blogs, I suggested that the company's CEOs use this in real time to take a hard look at the business and say, do I really want to be doing this? Do I think we could come out the other end? Because if they can't, they shouldn't be borrowing more money. I think, I think that's right. And um, there's a lot of business owners that have probably got more downtime um, than they've had for a long time. And it's probably a great opportunity to be thinking about the business, working on the business, and thinking what you want to look like when you come out the other side. Have you seen any customers that have taken advantage of this time? And even though it's sort of was six, seven weeks in, have you started to see any customers take advantage of this time to really rethink their business models? Every single one of them, Mark. You know, saddest day of my life was saying goodbye to 100 of my employees. The next day, the small core of us looked at how we're going to reinvent this business. Um, they're forward-focused. 
they're trying to make sure that they stay focused on staying in business and be sure that they aren't running into negative territory here or not, not much, talking to their banker, giving them updates on what, what's going on in the business. But they are definitely reinventing the business. And if they can do this more quickly than their competitors, they're going to be in an even better situation on the other side. And I've seen the success of the, a number of the customers that have been through your programs and in terms of jobs created, markets opened, um, you know, increased revenue, much more efficient operating models, having the right people run those businesses and making sure that people that are involved in the business, even though they're family, often they, they're not the right person to be CEO and they've got other skills that they bring to the table that they can can they can make the most of. So, you know, with, with that experience, you know, what other advice do you have for business owners during during the uncertain times? Well, I think there's certain things that you need to be and do. So one of the key things is communication. Leaders understand they have to communicate frequently with staff, with customers, suppliers, vendors. This is not the time to pull into the hole and close the door behind you and say, oh my God, I hope this passes quickly. You need to be telling people the good, the bad, and the ugly. They don't want to hear that there's a problem. We all know there's a problem. They want to know what's your plan to get out of this mess that we're in. So lay out the plan. Describe how you need them to help you get out of it. Paint the picture of what the future is going to look like. So set up regular meetings if you need to by Zoom or whatever to your dispersed team and manage their time and effort. It's really easy to get distracted when they're working from home. And so one way we've managed that at our center is we have a weekly team meeting where everybody has to report out on what the overall goals are that they're responsible for having achieved and progress that they're making. And we have a Google spreadsheet that keeps us organized. And then every morning, each of our teams meets and goes over, here's what the priorities are, here's what we're going to do today, and here's what we need to achieve by the end of the week. So there's a, a, a kind of a management that's going on of people and their efforts. And then by the end of the day, people send in little summaries of what they did. And sometimes extraneous requests come in from Jana, which meant they didn't get everything that was on their list, but they adjust them. And so we have had amazing productivity out of our team dispersed, haven't looked at each other in the eye for three weeks now. And it's pretty special, but communication is critical. Second is, of course, while all this is going on, you've got to be kind and fair and give people a sort of a break. When we have team meetings with people, you know, feeding their babies and children in and out and dogs in and out of the room while we're having our, our team meetings or our, our everyday meetings. Um, and so those are the kinds of things that I'm going like, okay, this, this has to happen given where we are and that people have child care issues. Um, but if there's a performance issue, I, I still talk to people about that. I continue to expect high performance. And if there are problems, we have conversations. What do you need to do to get better? And what do I need to do to support you to get better and so forth? Third is, I, I say you are your biggest investor. You are investing your time and your money in this company. So you need to do like, like the strong-eyed dog does of the sheep, right? You need to look at everything that's going on. And this is, what do you need to start doing that you're not doing? What do you need to stop doing? And what do, you, what do you need to keep doing? And what, what people need to stay on the bus and what people need to get off the bus? And so rethinking what your customers value, what they need, what they want, how you can deliver, how to strip out those excess depths and become more efficient and the sort of lean, mean fighting machine on the other side. Fourth is 
uh, I'm surprised at the people who have stopped selling and marketing. Bad thing to do right now. Good thing is if you get yourself out there and you, you know, pick up the phone, start talking to people, talk about your products, do more effective marketing, do social media, uh, get stuff on, on LinkedIn, because with less competition and less noise, your ads will stand out. You will have opportunities that other people don't. And then, then the fifth thing is just this whole issue of managing yourself, Mark. Oh, gosh. You know, we're, we're going through ups and downs and you know, lots of confidence and worried. And, and you can't show that to the employees, of, of, you know, the fact that we're still waiting for some contracts that we've been told are coming to, haven't yet arrived. Just still continuing to believe they will. And I'm communicating positively about what's the future to our employees and um, really trying to make it possible, as somebody once said to me, for ordinary people to do extraordinary things because you need them to rebound and they need you to have the confidence to stay with you to rebound. So those are maybe five little tips that I would think people would, would be helped by uh, practicing those. It's, it's great advice. And you know, by nature, I find our small business customers, fairly entrepreneurial, resilient, and optimistic by nature. So um, they're not the type of people that are generally going to be sitting at home and not taking control of the situation um, as best they can. I think that point around marketing, there are signs that some retail sales are not going to be down as much as we think they're going to be down, as much as we probably modelled. Um, people have resorted online. Mm. Um, incomes are down, and I know it's very different for individuals, but incomes across the board are down about 7%. 7% decline doesn't necessarily result in a 30% decline in, in retail sales, for instance. Mm. So, you know, you know, the other thing I remind our people of is about 10% of our customers have sought help in terms of deferring mortgage payments. It's about 15% in our small business space. That's 85 to 90% of customers that still are confident in their ability to, to meet their commitments they have today and have a, a much more positive outlook on, on the future. Um, so, you know, the reality is when things start to open up, some businesses are going to need to be on their feet and will benefit very quickly. So I think that advice around, around marketing keeping your customers and staff informed, you know, particularly your customers that um, they need to be reminded that you're still in business, you know, you're not going anywhere and you still want to be um, serving those customers on the other side of, of this. Uh, I, think that's real, I think that's really good advice. Your specific, the, the business growth program that you've been running for, for six years, all the indicators are, all the numbers just show what an outrageous success that has been to help businesses find a way to grow um, and get their and get their businesses really set up for that. Do you want to touch a little bit about the actual program? Sure. I love this program. This is just the most exciting thing when you can actually transform the way people run their business and the way they even think about business. So I really appreciate the opportunity to work with your customers. We can start with the macro, which is on your website is anz.com backslash business grow, which is 50 pieces of content that you've licensed from us that the whole world can go to. Anybody anywhere in the world can go and see some of the articles and the videos and the tools that we've made available. So that's, that's the broadest um, offering that uh, is part of this program. Second would be growth seminars that we have done six of those a year 
around all around Australia, not only Sydney, Melbourne, Adelaide, and Brisbane. This is exciting because anybody can come to these who wants to learn more about growth. So this is, tends to be face-to-face. Um, and we've had anywhere from 50 to 200 people come to these. And it's just a great opportunity for them to learn some very specific things about growth. They work through an action plan. They meet other people, sit at tables talking to other business owners. This year, we're going to experiment with doing one of these as a webcast uh, because of the social distancing issues. Um, but no question that people really enjoy coming together. And I get emails from people who tell me the things they're implementing that they learned at these seminars. Then we have the bankers nominate their customers for something called the assessment clinics. And those are 36, year, 36 a year that get nominated for that. And then we do six assessment clinics with six CEOs at a time. These clinics are really in-depth, intensive. There are things that we look at on your financials, your org chart, and a diagnostic that we've developed that you enter online. And when I look at all that, I have a pretty good sense of what's going on in your company before I go to the clinic. And then in the clinic, I'm delivering the content you need to know and customizing it depending on what your particular issues are. From the clinic, those 36 people, we select 10 companies to come into the ANZ Business Growth Program, which is a series of three three-day modules. The CEO has to bring at least two members of their executive team with them. And these are face-to-face company teams with at least three of us growth experts. And growth experts are people who have started growing and exited companies. And that includes me. I've done that as well. So we walk through, over the course of these three modules, 12 things that could stop your growth. Some are related to strategy, some to product. The companies then have to do a one-year growth plan at the end of the first module. They can't graduate until they have a three-year growth plan. So that sets them up then for the kind of results that we are seeing over time. And when they come out and then the first end of the program last year, they had 23% increase in jobs. Well, gosh, don't we want that right now? 32% in revenue, 33% profit, and they began exporting to 12 new countries. I've met quite a few of the customers over the years, and there's been some incredible successes. And, you know, some some successful because they've, you know, they've rebuilt their business and then exited the business um, and extracted extracted their wealth. And uh, there's some good stories around that. But, but what, what are sort of some of your favorite or standout customers that, that stick with you? Oh, gosh, it's like having to pick some of your children, right? But uh, Pump and Seal, uh, husband and wife and another partner, um, had a focus on mining companies, but they were expanding their markets, territories. When they came to the program, they suddenly realized, wow, there's so much more out there. Uh, and they set themselves up then to be sold, actually, which they were sold in January. Fountain Group in New South Wales, so they do dog food. Doesn't sound very exciting at all, but they do amazing. They have a variety of pet food products are selling into um, the United States, North, uh, all over North America, all, all kinds of different places. Edward's father had the business. Edward was an investment banker, came back and said, Dad, you've got amazing innovations. Let's, I, I want to focus here on helping commercialize those. And then uh, a, a small company that was doing architectural hardware decided to, just before they came to the program, that they wanted to focus on introducing a whole new product line to a whole new set of customers. And that just has taken off like gangbusters. 
the wife's father who owned the business, he was kind of reluctant to let go, but they came to the business growth program. Everybody understood what needed to have happen in terms of the finance and the business and the new product launch and everything. And, and it's dad's really comfortable chairman of the board now, and they're operating and going like gangbusters. So they have gone through personal transitions, family transitions, and company transitions. And it's just been such a privilege to watch them, work with them, and, and help them achieve their own growth potential. Well, I think that's been really insightful, Jana. And the lessons that we know have proven successful for so many companies, you've given a, a really great snapshot there of, of some of the key things to look at and that, that focus on even the smallest cash flow items that could make the difference between um, you know, being, being a viable business in six months' time. I think it's quite important. And that communication uh, with, your, with your staff and your customers and not forgetting to, to keep the marketing efforts up so people know that you're around and they know that you're ready to go when things return to, to some sort of normal, whatever that looks like. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's really important. Um, we touched on the productivity. We've, we've seen something similar at ANZ. The productivity has been extraordinary whilst people have not been able to go into the office. I hope that that continues on, on the other side where people have, have realised what's possible. Um, you know, we at ANZ obviously want as many of our customers to come out of this, um, not just surviving, but thriving on the other side. Mm. Uh, our, our economy needs small businesses to be up and running. Um, we need their, their, their leaders, their owners, their CEOs to, to really take this time to improve their financial literacy and understand how to manage the cash flow, how to hire the right people, get the right product into market and how they can service their customers and, and, and do what it is that they love because most, most people start businesses around a topic that they absolutely love. I think this is why ANZ funded the, the ANZ Business Growth Program over the last six years um, and will continue to do so. You know, we have, a, we have a business growth section on our website that you referred to earlier, Jana, which is, which is your content the content of the Australian Centre for Business Growth and it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a treasure trove of information to help people get started down this path of being more financially literate and, and running really successful businesses and we encourage you all to do that and to, and to have a, um, a look at the programs that Jana and her team run um, because they, as we said they are first class. So for all those that are interested in the program just go to ANZ.com backslash business growth all the content um, will be there. It'll help you understand what's possible and hopefully get you thinking in the right direction. But um, for now, thanks for listening and um, thanks, Jana, for your time today. Thank you so much, Mark. This has been such a pleasure.